God is good, amen. So Randy is, uh, is out this week. He is up in Chicago, I believe, taking a, a short course, trying to continue his ed- education. Uh, I believe he booked this class soon after he got here and started working with me and realized he needed more education. And so he couldn't, couldn't quite stand up, stand up to my knowledge there. So uh, I like picking on Randy, especially when he's not around. And so, um, but he has, he's, he has been one who has, has, has really wanted to study God's Word, and that's what he's doing this week. He has even pushed me to, to read more. I've bought more books this year than I have in my life. Uh, I haven't read them, but I did get them up on the shelf last week. So, that's a good thing. Here in just a second, Grayson Gage is going to read Second Samuel. Uh, chapter 12, 1 through 10. So go ahead and turn to your Bibles in 2 Samuel, chapter 12, and he'll be reading verses 1 through 10. To set that up real quick, David, King David, has done something awful. He has found himself doing something sinful with another man's wife, and to cover it up, uh, committed murder to, uh, to kill that man's wife, or husband, so, excuse me, that woman's, how's it go? A plus B equals C, right? To kill uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, on the battlefield by drawing back the lines so that he would be left out there alone. Now David has been sitting with this for, for a few, and Nathan, a prophet, is going to be sent to him to talk to him about it. Let's hear Nathan's words this morning read by Grayson. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cow to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for, the, for that lamb four times over, because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. I, uh, I really enjoy the summers. Uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful time for me. Uh, I think that's why I enjoy youth ministry. Uh, during the summers, you got later nights. Uh, the sun doesn't come down as quick, so you get to kind of stay outside longer. Uh, and, and you get to, the, the kids aren't in school, so I enjoy not having to be at, at such a strict schedule where, where my kids have to go to bed at a certain time. We can, we can stay up late because all they have to do the next day is sleep in. Uh, and so, but, but I, love, I love just the, the air in the summer, the, the, the evenings, the, the smell of the fresh cut grass, especially when my son cut it. Uh, I, I enjoy... 
being able to even hang out on Wednesday nights at church a little bit longer. Like this week, we're going out to the church at the lake. We're going to enjoy our time out there. It's not, it's not so rush. Kids aren't having to bounce from one activity to the next as much. I love going out and seeing our kids at camp and seeing them just enjoying their time. Uh, but I tell you, one thing that always kind of happens for me, and I don't know about you, during the summer is I start to clean out my garage. Uh, who here has a garage that they, they have at their house? Okay, now, now raise it with some pride because I, I need you to answer this next question by keeping your hand up. Go ahead, keep your hand up. It won't get tired for a few seconds, I promise. So if your garage has been at one point in your time where you could not park the car in it, Leave your hand up. It's confession time. All right, that's most of everybody. Except Coach, he put his hand down quick. All right, so you can put your hands down now. Good job. So I'm not the only one that cannot get into their garage with their car. Uh, not too long ago, there was a storm coming, and I was trying to figure out how to get our vehicle in there, and, and I did. I successfully got our car in the garage by shoving everything to the, to the sides. But then once I was in the car, in the garage, I could not figure out how to get out of the car. So I had to roll down the back window and crawl out that way. Uh, and then I went to shut the garage door and it quite wasn't going to shut. So I had to go back in the back window, crank up the car and move it forward a little bit more and then get out. But I started cleaning out my garage the last couple of weeks. And this is what I noticed. Uh, I noticed we have more stuff than we need. I noticed that uh, at one point we did some spring cleaning. Uh, and anytime you clean one room, you got to make a mess in the other room because you can get rid of the stuff in that room, but it's got to go somewhere. So it goes into the garage. Uh, our Christmas stuff was still there in our garage. Uh, we, had, we had worked on this house and remodeled this house this last year. And anytime I worked on something, uh, let's say Christy and I were... were uh, scraping popcorn ceiling uh, stuff off. Uh, those tools that went with that went in the bucket. That way the next day I knew exactly where they were and I could pick up again the next day with those tools in that bucket. If we were moving or changing out light fixtures and light sockets and electrical outlets, we had a bucket of all those stuff with, with the tools in it. The problem is, is I never put the tools back where they belong, all right? Uh, which is a no-no, I know that, but, but now to this day, I'm still not sure where my 10 millimeter socket is uh, because it's in one of those containers with all this different stuff. And so I've noticed that my garage has just grown and grown and grown filthy. Uh, there's, there's a show out, Hoarders. Uh, it's been out for quite some time. And there's this one, one, uh, one viewing, uh, we showed it to the teens the other day, there's these two guys, and, and their, their brothers are older gentlemen, and they live in this rent house. And the landlord comes by, and he says, guys, we've got an inspection in, in a week. And this house is not where it can be inspected without you guys getting evicted and me losing my, my license. And so the cameraman and, and the landlord go into this house, and what they find is just a house full of junk. In fact, this guy starts climbing up some, some stuff, and he goes, oh, I found the stairwell to the basement. And he climbs over this stuff, over an old washer, down the stairwell. And then the camera turns back on the renters. 
And this guy goes, yeah, we haven't been down there in three years. Now, as I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking about my garage, I, I feel a little bit better about myself. <laughs> but I realize he probably didn't start off that way. Just like my garage started off empty and clean. And over time, it started getting more and more filthy, and I got a little bit more comfortable with it. And this man, or these men who were brothers living at this house, got a little bit more and more and more comfortable with stuff, with the mess. And as we read and hear 2 Samuel, what Grayson shared with us just a while ago, I see that taking place in David's life. In fact, when Nathan starts sharing this story that's about David, David's instinct, his gut right off the bat is, oh, that person should die. Like he doesn't even see that it's him. He had gotten so comfortable with the sin in his life that when he hears this story, it, it relates nothing to what he has done or is doing. It relates to someone else, and he's quick to condemn and punish. So we start getting comfortable with things. And we don't really notice that they're there or see them. So as I'm cleaning out my garage, there's this, this, this box full of stuff, important stuff. It's a big box. And when I set it there back in the fall, I didn't want it to really get messed up, so I put some wood down and now put it on top of that. In my mind, that made a lot more sense. It made it less messy and more organized, you know, just to stack more things on top of each other. Uh, but I put this wood down, and we had this spot in our garage where a little bit of water was coming in. But I, I had fixed that, and it was no longer coming in. But there had been moisture that got in that garage. And as I moved this box full of valuable things, in my mind I had protected it more by putting it up on this wood, and as I moved it, the concrete and the wood created moisture and held moisture there, and as I moved that wood up, there was mold growing all underneath that, that wood. And then I looked closely, and it was growing on top of that wood. And then I flipped the box over, and the mold had just started, had just began to get on the cardboard box. See, in my comfort of the garage being a mess, I didn't know that in there something was destroying something very valuable and important to me. I think we too are like David. We're like my garage. Where we've gotten comfortable with something, there is something in us, some sin, something that's drawing us away from God that we have become more and more comfortable with. And all the while, we kind of even create more of a mess. Before you know it, you're in the kitchen and you finish off a, a carton of milk and you just chunk it out in the garage uh, and say you'll deal with it later. I did not do that. That was a friend, Christy. Uh, but we get so laxed about it that we even create more of a mess. Because, ah, it's, it's a mess, but it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think we do the same thing with sin in our lives. But there's this point. When David hears this, and he's, and he's, and he's shown that he is that person, 
What makes David a, a man after God's own heart is his response to his sin. Not that he was sinless. After doing something horrible, he had a response. And in Psalms 51, we hear that. Gavin's going to come up and read that for us now. He wanted me to, to let you know he just got braces put on Friday. And so if he says it funny, it's Clay Spencer's fault. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. See, David's response is a, is a response of saying, God, it is a mess. There, there is something that I've gotten comfortable with and I, and I need it cleaned up. And he recognizes that he can't do it himself. That is only God that can clean it up. Another reason why I like summers is as Randy mentioned last week in the sermon, it's a state of limbo where it's an in-between state. My daughter that just graduated college is, is no longer a college student, but she's not yet a teacher. She's in limbo. My son, who is finished sixth grade, is not quite a seventh grader yet. Our high school graduates that, that we celebrated a couple weeks ago are no longer in high school, but they're not yet taking college courses. And Randy said last week, in a state of limbo, we can find something new. And I feel like every summer for me and for our teens, we get to discover something new. They dramatically, physically change during the summer, but we also see our teens spiritually change during the summer as well. And so our, our teens have been challenged to do a, a 77 days of clean. We're calling it clean. Uh, not that we're all in rehab or anything. I know that sounds a little close to that. But we're 77 days of where we're going to give up something. Something on a comfort level. There are 77 days from last Wednesday, 11 weeks from last Wednesday to the Wednesday right before school starts. And they're, they're, they're giving up something that's just one of their comfort things, like sodas. For me, I, I'm giving up uh, uh, my puzzles on my phone. There's two puzzles I play, 10-10, all right? I've got a score of 48,000 
points, a little over 48,000. My brother-in-law sitting over there only has 38,000, I'm just saying. Uh, I've got that puzzle, and I've got the Wordscapes puzzle. Anybody know what Wordscapes is? You, they give you certain letters, and then you take those letters, and you, you find different words that those letters make, and you put them in the puzzle. That's one of my favorites, because if you ever get stomped, you can Google what do these letters make, right? So for me, I'm giving up the comfort of having these puzzles at my fingertips, so if I'm sitting and waiting for about five, ten minutes on anything, I kind of pull those out and I play those. But I'm going to give that up. I'm not talking about something dramatic. I haven't challenged the teens to give up something dramatic, like breathing or anything like that. Or, or uh, For me, I didn't want to give up coffee because I knew as soon as I got to the office, I'd have Randy who... who drinks coffee 24-7, I think it comes out of his pores, who's always asking me, hey, you want a cup of coffee? So I couldn't do that because you got to have coffee, all right? But something on a level of comfort that we can give up. Like Michelle Anderson, she's given up sodas, but only sodas at her house. So when we're on a, uh, a mission trip, she can... <laughs> Stay with me for a second, it makes sense, okay? All right, because it's, she's going to help with the lock-in. All right, she needs sodas. All right, but, but like sodas, when, when, when we're out on events or she's, she's out at, at a restaurant, she can still have, but she's not going to keep sodas in her house, maybe right outside her door in an ice chest. <laughs> but, see, it's, it's simple. It's simple. It's not like one of these New Year's resolutions where you say, I'm going to diet and run and I'm going to do all this, and then day two, you're done with it. All right? It's something simple. It's a level of comfort, not anything extreme. And, and in that, they're also taking those 77 days, as they give up something comfortable, they're asking God, what have I become comfortable with? What sin is it? What in my life have I come comfortable with? Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's the way I talk about people in a negative way. Maybe it's the things I say about others who don't really build them up but put them down. Maybe I've become too comfortable with that. Maybe it's just even a spirit of negativity where I'm just kind of always being down about things. Maybe it's, it's the language I use at the workplace or at the school that I've gotten comfortable with it. So they're looking and they're searching for something that they've become comfortable with as they give up something that they're comfortable with. And so my challenge then is for you guys to do the same. Maybe it's the 77 days. Maybe it's just the seven weeks. Maybe it's five weeks. But I want you guys to, to think about something that you can give up that you're comfortable with. That, that A soda. Maybe it's, it's eating chips at the local Mexican restaurant. No, that's too hard. Don't do that. Maybe it's, it's giving up TV the last hour of your evening. Not TV altogether, but something simple. And you can replace those times with reading or studying or prayer or journaling or just silence. But then the key is, is to ask God to help you find what's in there that you've become comfortable with and ask them to help you remove it and to create in you a clean heart. 
So Randy next week is, is starting with, uh, with favorite psalms. And he's asked us to share with him some of our, our favorite ones. One that I use and I probably quote the most is Psalms 139. Because in the, in the heart of it, the meat of it, it, it all boils down to that, that God has created us and we're wonderfully and fearfully made. And I've, and I've hung on to that part of Psalms 139 in my life throughout time. And I share that with, with several people who are just dealing with things uh, of self-image image issues and struggling with who they are and what God calls them to be. But Psalms 139 begins and ends very similar. It begins with, God, you have searched me. You know me. You know every thought there is I have in my head. Before a word is, is on my lips, God, you know it. So the author, what we believe to be David, begins by saying, God, you have searched me. You know all there is to know. You know what I'm comfortable with. You know it. And there's nowhere I can go, God. I can't flee from your presence. If I go to the depths, you are there. If I, if I go and rise on the wings of the dawn, you are there. God, you're everywhere. You know all about me. But the way the writer wraps it up is very interesting. He asks again, even though he has acknowledged that God has searched him and knows him, he asks again, God, please search me. See, David, in this moment, even though he knew God had searched him, he wanted God to continue to search him because David did not want to be comfortable with something that was pulling him away from God and his people ever again. And so you may be in a moment of comfortableness where you need to be challenged, where you take this summer uh, to, to, to ask God to, to help you see what you've gotten comfortable with, and you ask God, please God, search me. Know me. Continue to search me. Find out, God, what it is I need to let go. Now, you may be dealing with some stuff that's flat in your face that you already know that you need to deal with. And there's a place for that. And that's with his people. But also in the silence. In the moments of stillness. Seek out what have you become comfortable with. And God will restore unto us the salvation. If you have any needs this morning, if you already know what you've become comfortable with and you need some help, you need somebody to come along and encourage you to, to get rid of that which you're uncomfortable with, we've got a place and a time for that. But this isn't the only place and the only time. That's what the body of believers, the church is for, is to encourage and lift one another up. So at any time, throughout the day, throughout the week, you can call on someone here. But at this time, we've set aside a specific time for you to be able to do that. And please come as we stand and as we sing.